in a series called Home Improvement, and I like to start with something funny, and I heard a story about two men, the Pope and a lawyer, they died at the same moment on the same day and ended up in heaven. St. Peter said, hey, let me take you to your homes. Well, they go to the Pope's house first, and it's this little tiny shack made of wood. There's just a small table and one bed. Well, they leave the Pope's house, and they go to the lawyer's house, and it's a mansion. It's got a pool in the backyard, an amazing view. The lawyer says to Peter, he says, St. Peter, I, I don't understand. How is it that the Pope has such a small place and I've got this mansion? And Peter said, well, you know, we have dozens of popes here in heaven, but you're the first lawyer. So, uh, <laughs> sorry if you're a lawyer. If you're a lawyer, sorry. Okay, no, we're just having some fun this morning. Why do you stand to your feet? We're going to read our, our theme verse. I want to welcome our online campus joining us in places today like Michigan and Texas and Arizona, Florida, Colorado, New Jersey, uh, Placerville, Bakersfield. Can you welcome all our church, church family joining us online? Yeah. Was that a horrible New Jersey accent or what? <laughs> Don't hold it against me. All right. We're going to read our theme verse today and let me just set it up for you. Home improvement. You know, I've lived in the same house since I've moved here to Santa Clarita Valley. We've lived there, it'll be 14 years in the fall. And here's the deal. Over 14 years, things start breaking down. Things need to be remade, redone, rebuilt, redoing our kitchen right now. It's because sometimes we just need a little improvement at home. How many would say that maybe it's financially, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your marriage, but you could say, I, I could use God to improve some things in my home. Come on, wave at me. All right. Well, I know that the topic that we're going to talk about may not seem like the, the right topic when we talk about home improvement. But as I was praying, the Lord taught me a passage. He brought me to a place. And here's what Haggai is saying to the church. He says this. He says, you've harvested a lot. I mean, I'm sorry, you've planted a lot, but you've harvested little. You've eaten and you're not full. You've drank, but you're still thirsty. And he says, you put on clothes and you're still cold. And you've got wages and you put them in your pocket but it's like holes in your pocket. Anybody ever felt like you take two steps forward and then three steps back? And he said, there's a reason why your home isn't improving, isn't getting better. And so I want us to read this verse together. Everyone, join us online as well. Let's read it together. Haggai chapter one, verse nine. Here we go. You hoped for rich harvests, but they were poor. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord of heaven's armies, while all of you are busy building your own fine houses. See, what the scripture says is this. Basically, this idea we find is that if we'll take care of God's house, God will take care of ours. And so we talked about it last week. So I want to I continue this conversation. I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit. I pray your anointing would be in this place and that you would speak loudly and strongly through everything that I say. But Lord, anoint us to hear and receive. Lord, tear down every wall, every mindset. Pray this with me. Say, God, improve my home. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Last week, we talked about the tithe and Every year for a couple weeks, we talk about the topic of generosity and tithing. And I'm not going to re-preach that message. If you want to listen to that, I want to encourage you to go to the website or go to the app and you can listen to last week's message. We learned last week that the tithe is supposed to be brought into the storehouse, all 10%. 
We bring it into our local church. And that's the vehicle that allows God to open up windows of heaven over us and rebuke the devourer. How many wouldn't mind God rebuking the devourer over your home, right? And we learned that last week. Now, let me say as we begin today that I know that this topic is a topic that sometimes people get nervous about, they get sensitive with when it comes to finances. And I understand that as your pastor. And I want you to know today that, that listen, if you come to Higher Vision, you can attend and never give a dime. Because I won't know. I mean, God will, but I won't. I don't have a list. Some of you might think, I have a list in the back with everyone's name. <laughs> and I know what you've given and you haven't. I don't. And, and I want to say this. You don't have to tithe to get to heaven. Some of you are like, awesome. No, listen to me, you don't. The Bible says we're not saved through, through works, lest any man should boast, we're saved through faith. It's faith in Christ that brings us to a relationship with Christ and into heaven. But I will tell you this, even though those, both things are true, I believe this with all my heart, that you will never live the best life, the most blessed life, until you understand the power of tithing and generosity. How many have seen God's faithfulness in, as you've been generous and tithe? Amen? All right, so we're going to talk today about generosity. Now, last week, we talked about tithing, and that's bringing the 10% that, that belongs to the Lord back to Him. This week, we're going to talk about generosity. So I'm going to ask three questions. Last week, I, I asked three questions. What is a tithe? Why should I do it? And why does God want me to do it? This week, I'm going to ask three questions about generosity. Y'all with me? Say amen. All right, question number one, simply this, what is generosity? Now, when I say that, I mean in God's perspective, when God thinks about generosity, what does he equate generosity to? And I want to give it to you real simple. Generosity, in God's mind, doesn't begin until 11%. I'm going to say that again because some of you are like, what do you mean? Generosity doesn't begin until 11%. What I mean by that is the Bible teaches us that when we get all of our income, all that we got, we got because God blessed us with it. Our family, our health, our income, all of it is from God, ultimately. So he's given us everything, and he said, now, because I've given you everything, I want you to return the first fruit. I want you to give the first 10% back to me. And here's the deal. If you'll give the first 10% back to me through my house in, my, in your local church, I'll take the other 90% that you have and I'll bless it more than you would have had if you kept all 100 yourself. So that's the idea. So the point being is that when we get to give, generosity begins at 11% because now we're dipping into our resources. Let me explain it this way. How many of you have kids? All right, let me ask this question. If you have kids, how many know that you're going to end up at McDonald's? <laughs> right? And even as an adult, you don't like McDonald's except for McDonald's french fries. Come on. Some hot, right out of the, uh, the fryer, french fries from McDonald's are probably going to be served in heaven. They're delicious. Come on. I mean, I'm talking about. They got to be hot because if they're not, if they're old, they turn into like styrofoam. Come on. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But when they're hot, out of, it's, it's delicious, right? And when you eat them, they're good. And, and when you're done eating them, you're like looking in the bottom of the bag to find the bonus fry, right? Because you know there's one in there. And, and then when you're finally done, you can't just be done with the fries. You have to go... Because the, the salt is so good. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on. So one day, I decided to take my son, Hudson, to get some fries. He loves fries at McDonald's. And so we get to McDonald's, and, and um, I buy him a large fry. And we sit down. And as we sit down, to, and, and uh, he's got his fries, and I've got my Diet Coke, I reach over to get a fry. 
You already know what's going to happen, right? He like swats my hand. He's like, don't touch my fries. And then that righteous parent indignation comes, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? My head starts going like this. My hand goes out like this. I can't help myself. I'm like, hold on, buddy. You wouldn't even have any fries if it wasn't for me. I bought you those fries. Come on. So give me my fry. You know what's funny is we laugh at that story, but that's a beautiful example of what happens every time we get paid. Because God says, I blessed you with everything. It's all yours. I want you to give me back what's mine, and then I'll bless the rest. But here's the thing. A lot of us want to be generous, but what we don't realize is that sometimes we're being generous with someone else's money. It'd be like me saying, I want to be generous with Camden right here. And so I go over to, to, to Anthony while he's worshiping, and I reach and I grab his wallet while his hands are in the air. <laughs> and I pull some money out, and I walk over to Camden and say, man, I want to bless you. How I many know I'm not blessing him? I'm a thief. Anthony's blessing him without him even knowing it. And you realize that a lot of times people, when it comes to their finances, the 10% that's supposed to go into God's house, sometimes they'll go, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take that 10%. And there's this guy down the street, and he's gone through a hardship, and I want to help him. And that's a good thing to want to do. But what we do is we take money out of God's wallet. And we think we're blessing him when we're just taking what belongs to God. The point I'm trying to make is that generosity begins at 11% because it's at 11% that you're dipping into your wallet. It's at 11% that you're saying, now God, I get to take what you've given me that I get to be a steward of, that I get to use. Now I get to use that to help and be, ble- be a blessing to somebody else. Generosity begins at 11%. So what is generosity? It's when you give from your resources to be a blessing to others. Y'all with me? Say Amen. So I want to clarify, according to Scripture, what the idea... Now, I know we didn't go into a lot of verses there, but just bear with me because I've got to, we're going to get through lots of verses. So generosity, we, we answered that question. Second question, write this down. What is it? How can I be generous? I don't know about you, but I want to be generous, so how can I be generous? What are ways to be generous? Well, here's the first thing you need to understand. If you want to be generous, write this down, generous people plan. In fact, I'll show you the verse. It's found in Isaiah. Isaiah uh, chapter 32, verse 8 says, Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. You see, the bottom line is, if you're not careful, you'll end up wanting to be generous, but not able to, because how many know sometimes life has a way of sucking your um, uh, bank account dry? You may know what I'm talking about. How many here have ever had more month than money? Come on, you're like, can I post-date that check? Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been there? Oh, you guys are so good, steward, stewards of your money, rich. Come on, how many here have ever post-dated a check? Come on, I feel better now on this stage. <laughs> Anthony, I feel better. You ever post-dated a check? Yes, sir. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm not the only one. I've done it before. I've told them, but I've done it. The point is, is that if we're not careful, if we don't plan you'll find out that in the end you can't be generous because you haven't made a way to be generous because generous people, the word plan there in the Hebrew means to work out a strategy, to devise a way. 
And I'm going to tell you, if you want to be generous, if you don't plan to be generous, you'll end up at the end of the month with no money and you won't be able to be generous or you'll be tempted to rob God's portion to be generous because generous people plan. Can I tell you a story in our family how we were able to be generous? Um, a few years ago, we started kind of you know, encouraging people to give to missions and we shared the vision of all the things we were doing. In fact, we did it this year in, in November. Usually in November, we talk about missions for the new year. My wife and I wanted to give to missions, but as we looked at our budget, it was kind of full. How many have ever looked at your budget and you're like, it's pretty full, pretty tight, right? And so um, we're like, God, we want to give to missions. And so we started looking ways. Well, it just so happened that as the year turned, the calendar year turned, the church decided, the board of directors who oversee budgets and all that stuff, they decided to give all the pastors a cost of living adjustment and, and kind of a raise. And it was a monthly amount. Now, sometimes with the church, they're not able to do that. They don't give raises. Sometimes they do. And so that year, the pastors got a raise. How many of you say thankful for a raise? And so because we all got a raise, suddenly I realized more income was coming in every month. So my wife and I thought, well, hey, you know what we could do? Instead of taking that money, first of all, we'll pay the tithe on it, but instead of taking that, the rest of that money and you know, using it to buy this or get that or get a nicer car or, or get the newest iPhone or, I mean, you know that we're always tempted when we get more to use what we get for more. Instead, we decided we want to be generous. So we said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take half of what's left over and we're going to give it to missions every month. And can I tell you what's really cool is over the last three years, my wife and I have given quite a bit to missions and here's what's cool. I don't even miss it. I don't even miss it. You know why? Because generous people plan. And if you want to be generous, you've got to make a decision to be generous and come up with a way to do it, whether it's cutting back on something, whether it's when something new comes in, there's a way that you can be generous. In fact, let me show you another verse in the Bible that's really cool. It's found in um, the book of Corinthians. It says, give what you have. What's the next word? That was kind of weak, church. Come on. Well, give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So don't just, when you see flash on the screen, you know, starving kids in Africa, like, oh, no, I need to do something. But here's what happens. Here's what's interesting about that verse. The Bible says decide. It says don't do it under compulsion, but be a cheerful giver. Here's why. Because what happens is sometimes we, we are moved by, by certain things, and then we want to give, but here's the problem, because we don't have a generosity plan, we end up giving, and when we give, we're not sure if we have enough to give. So then when we give, we're afraid that we might be short, we're afraid that we might not have enough, we're worried, or we take from God, and then we're a little bit worried because we know we shouldn't be taking God's portion, and instead of being a cheerful giver, we're a fearful giver. And the way that you're going to be a cheerful giver, i got to tell you that it's been a joy all along to give to missions because every time we, every month we give, it's a joy. I'm not stressed about it. I'm not worried about it. Why? Because generous people have a plan. So here's a question. Do you have a generosity plan? We just asked the question, how can I be generous? Well, generous people plan. That's good. Come on, somebody say amen. High five somebody right there, right there. Gotcha, right there. Okay, how's the second way? How can we be generous? Here's another way. Generous people give their time, talent, and treasure. Generous people give their time, talent, and treasure. Now, I want to show you a verse. Let's go to, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, here's the thing. Paul the apostle, by the Holy Spirit, starts teaching his spiritual son, who's a pastor. 
And one of the things he tells his pastors, listen, if you're a pastor, you better talk about this topic. One day I'm going to stand before God and God is going to ask me, did you teach on money? I really believe that. Because that's one of my responsibilities. And I'll tell you why it's important that we talk about that in a minute. So here's what he tells them to say. Teach those who are rich in this world. Now let me pause right there. As soon as I read that, teach those who are rich, you're like, cool. There's somebody in here that that's for, but that's not me. Because I'm not rich. So I, let, me, let me talk about rich, being rich for a second, okay? First of all, let's define richness. Richness is, first of all, like a high standard of living, right? Being able to have nice things, right? How many would say yes? Rich is about having a, an amount or a larger amount, making more, right? So being, being someone who makes more, would that be rich? Okay, some of you are looking at me like, what are you talking about? It, 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 pretty simple. And then the third thing is it's extra, having expendable, extra, right? I mean, say that's a good definition for rich, okay, that the world would define. Okay, so that being the case, then the question is, are we rich? Well, let's, let's answer that question. First of all, did you know that if you make $45,000 a year or more, that in this world, you are in the top 15% wage, owner, wage earners on the planet. Now, in our, our, our city, in our um, valley, I think the average medium income is more like 75 to 95 or 100 when you put two incomes together. So if you add that up, you're in the top 10% of the entire world of how much money you make. Here's the second thing to consider, that maybe we're richer than we think. Second thing is, is that um, if you're rich, you usually have extra. Now, I know some of you are like, well, Pastor, I don't have extra. I'm just barely paying the bills. Well, let's talk about extra for a minute. You know, let me show you some things you have extra. One area you have extra is there are people in the world that walk three miles, five miles, ten miles for hours, one way to get some water to bring back so that they can use it to cook and to clean and have to do the same thing the next day. You have so much extra that you take it and you throw it on the dirt in the front just so that it's a little bit greener. That's how much extra you have. In fact, you have so much extra that there are people that live in this world that have one room. They sleep in that room. They cook in that room. They do everything in that one room. You have so much extra that you have extra rooms just to hold your extra clothes. They only got one set of clothes, a lot of people on the planet, maybe two. You've got so much, you need a room for it. Come on, somebody say amen. In fact, we have so much extra that we build extra rooms for our cars that take us everywhere we want to go, which a lot of people walk or they take public transportation. We've got not just one, sometimes two, sometimes three cars, and we have to build a room to put the car in so that it doesn't get dirty so that we don't have to take some of our extra water to clean it because we don't want to spend the time doing it. Come on, somebody say amen. We don't realize how rich we are. Now, can I give some context? We're in the highest standard of living that any culture has ever known in the history of the planet. Right now. Okay? Now watch this. The Bible says in Acts that before you were born, God predetermined where on the planet you would live and when in history you would live. So now let's think about it for a minute. If that's true, which it is, it's the Word of God, then God decided to wait until 2018 
the richest time, the highest standard of living ever, and he decided not only to put you in the richest time, but in the richest nation on the planet. So here's the point. God chose to make you rich. So the question is, what are you doing with your money? So he begins, that, that was all just from that verse. Okay, let's keep going. You all still with me? <laughs> Don't worry, not every line is going to take that long. All right. So he says, teach those who are rich. So don't don't pull yourself out of that equation. You're right in the middle of that equation. Tell them to use their money to do good. Generous people use their treasure. What is your money doing? Is it doing good? Or is it just feeding your appetite, your desires, your wants? God says rich people should use their money, their time, I'm sorry, their talent, their treasure, to do good. They should also be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. The point is, is that God's saying, listen, you're rich, and your richness is this, is that you've got resources that you could be using to do good things. Not only that, you've got time. No, I'm busy. I work a lot. Wait, let's pull out TV time. Let's pull out social media time. Because remember, there are people on the planet that are actually killing the animals and, you know, cleaning them, preparing them. They don't have washers or dryers or they're taking all their time just to eat or just to get water. When we're so blessed that we got time to be on social media, we got time to watch TV, we got time to do all kinds of things. And God says, listen, I've given you a rich life. So what are you doing with your treasure? What are you doing with your talents? And what are you doing with your time? Because you should be using it to be generous. Come on, amen. So here's the question that I want you to ask yourself. Because we live in a world of consumerism. Come on, we think about it. In fact, I'm going to be a consumer for a minute. How many have used the Walmart app where you can order your groceries online, drive there, pick them up, they load them in your car. You don't have to pay any extra and you don't have to pay a tip. They won't let you pay a tip. How many have used that app yet? You are not very good consumers. <laughs> it is awesome. I mean, we have to go every couple weeks and do the big shopping trip where you're there for an hour and a half walking, you know, this is the guy aimlessly through Walmart, like, where is it? I can't find it. The stupid ketchup, where is it? You don't have to do that anymore. You just go online, boom, 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 boom. What has God given you? Maybe he's given you another hour and a half that you could use because you're rich. Are you a consumer? Because we live in a culture of consumerism. What can I get? How can you take care of me? Because I like me. So here's the question you want to ask. Are you a consumer or are you a contributor when it comes to God's church and kingdom? If you don't know, take this, this, little, this little quiz. Rate yourself. Number one, do I drop my kids off in the kids' ministry without ever serving? Do I eat free donuts and coffee without ever volunteering my time? Do I sit in a seat someone sacrificially gave to pay for and join a service without ever giving of myself or my finances? If your answer is yes to any of those questions, maybe you're a consumer and not a contributor. 
Because here's what's interesting. God created the church, do you realize, not for us. We are the church. He created the church for the world. So the church is meant to be a contributor, not a consumer. So how can I be generous? Have a plan. How can I be generous? Give of my time, my talent, and my treasure. That's good preaching. Somebody say amen. All right. Third question. Why should I be generous? Come on, how many of you have ever had one of those moments where you just say, I don't want to? Come on, have you ever had your kids say that to you? Hey, just because we're adults, we still feel it. And I guarantee you there are people, because I felt it, when I hear about a need or there's an offering or an opportunity, sometimes down deep inside I go, I don't want to. So why should we be generous? What's the big deal? What if I just say I don't want to? I can get to heaven without tithing. You said I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, let's find out why generosity is so important. Here's the first reason. Because God wants you to. You pulled the God card again. Because God wants you to. In fact, can I show you a really cool scripture? 2 Corinthians 8, 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in a complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of what? God says, listen, I don't want you to just be good at love. And that's important. I don't want you just to be good in faith and grow in faith. I want my people to be good at generosity. I want them to be good at giving. Why should I be generous? Because God wants me to. Can I give you the second reason? Why should I be generous? Because generous people prosper. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to prosper? All right, so let's go to a verse. I'll show you. This is cool. Proverbs eleven twenty five: 25. The generous will prosper. Ding, 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 ding. This is what I just said. They will prosper, and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Now, let me talk about that for a minute. Here's what's cool. Did you know that God wants you to prosper? In fact, the Lord showed me this last night. I hadn't really thought of it in this way. What does it say in Jeremiah 29? It said, God says, I know the thoughts I have about you. Thoughts to prosper you. God wants to prosper you. And when he's talking about prosperity there, it's not um, just to prosper in your soul. It means to prosper financially, relationally. He wants you to prosper. Somebody say, well, Pastor, you're, you're taking a little bit out of context. Are you sure? Well, we could, we could have that conversation after service if you want, but let's go to the New Testament because he says it in the New Testament even clearer. In 3 John 2, he says, I would that you would prosper in all things as your soul prospers. So God says, I want you to be prosperous in everything, financially, relationally, just like your soul. See, it's not just important to God that you're spiritually okay. He wants you to be prosperous. So the question is, if God wants to prosper us, what is the vehicle or the method that he wants to use to make us prosperous? Can I tell you? Generosity. 
Generosity is the vehicle that God wants to use. Now, let me stop and say, now, there's a danger here, because we talk about this. The first thing is, and I'll, I'm sure I'll get some emails. Please don't send me an email. I'll get some emails saying, well, pastor, you know, we don't just live life, and that's, that's the prosperity gospel where God just wants to make us rich, and, and um, you know, sometimes we go through suffering, and yes, sometimes we do go through suffering, and yes, God does want to make us rich, but only so that he can use us as a vehicle to bless others. It's not for us just to consume it, it's to be a blessing. He told Abraham, I'll bless you to be a blessing. So he wants to prosper us. Now, if our heart and reason is to get a lot and consume it, that's called greed, and God doesn't want us to be greedy. So giving isn't about getting. There's a lot of Christians that play, um, you know, spiritual bingo or spiritual lottery. And their giving is hoping that when they give, it's going to ding, 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 and they're going to hit the the jackpot and God's going to bless them. And if your motivation is just to get, then you don't understand what generosity is all about. But that being said, in balance, God wants to prosper you. Because here's the thing, as long as you, let me say it this way, what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God can multiply. God knows the vehicle to bless you with more is by giving more. Because the more you're generous, the more he has in his hand that he can multiply. There's a cool scripture in Luke, and here's what it says. If you sow, you're going to reap. And then it tells how you're going to reap, how God's going to return back to you. He's going to do it good measure, so there's going to be a good amount, pressed down, like if you had a bucket, and you're pressing stuff down, shaking it to make room. So press down, shaken together, keep piling it, keep pushing down, keep shaking it until it's running over. I call it, you ready? The Slurpee anointing. Come on, how many like Slurpees? So when you get a Slurpee, come on, let's see the picture. When you get a Slurpee, here's what you do. You go to 7-Eleven. Now, if you're smart and you've done Slurpee, you know, uh, you, you've done some study on Slurpees, you don't just put it in there and fill it up and leave. You fill it halfway and then you shake it. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Because then it settles down, shaking together. And then you do a little bit more and you shake it. And then finally you get to the top and you put the lid on and you do it, but you fill it up to the top. And then what happens? It grows. It grows up through the top and it spills over and then you get that, that slurpy stuff on your hands and you have to, like in between your fingers because it's there. Come on, anybody ever done that? Come on, it's true, right? That sugar right there, it gets all over. It's that slurpy anointing. It just grows. It gets bigger because what you keep is all you have, but what you give, God can multiply. Generosity is God's vehicle to prosper you. Not taking his portion, but taking what you have and saying, I'm going to be generous. So I want to give you a quick testimony in my own life. My wife and I, um, this year, had the joy and the privilege of giving away two, two cars, two vehicles. And uh, one of the vehicles uh, was my daughter's, and kind of our, our, our plan was, one of them, I was giving my, my car, it was getting old, and I was giving it to my son, and he had a vehicle that, that had been purchased, and so we were going to take that vehicle, and we were going to sell it and take the money and put it in the bank so that I had money in the bank for my youngest son when the time comes for him to get a car. We've, every kid, we've given them the same amount of money to go towards their vehicle. And so um, we also had my daughter's car. And so between the two cars, we were going to sell them, put the money in the bank. Well, we found out about this young man who was in our church that was literally, listen to this, riding his bicycle all the way from Canyon Country to be involved and serve at Higher Vision Church. And some of us can't come 
because we have a cold. Just throwing that out there. It, it, makes, it puts things in perspective. Would ride his bike to practices, to serve, ride his bike home. And so our, our hearts were moved. And so I talked to my wife in Tibet and we were like, hey, let's give them the car. And so we gave them the car. There's another family that we found out that was in need. And, and so we gave them the other car. Now, we started thinking, well, what's going to happen when it comes time to get our son his car? We're not going to have the money there, but he, we had a plan because generous, generous people have a plan. And our plan was, well, if it's more than what we thought, I mean, if the money doesn't come back to us, someday it will, but we're going to be generous because there's a need, and so we gave. And, and we realized that if we had to, the amount of money that we had, if we had to get a loan for that, we could handle the payment. It was fine. So we had a plan. But can I tell you, when you give, the slurpy anointing gets all over you. And just in the last two weeks, some things happened where some things shifted. Suddenly, there was this unexpected blessing that came from nowhere. And guess what it was? It was almost twice the amount of what my son's car account was supposed to be. So guess what? Now, his car account is full, and I got lots of money to bite Slurpees. Come on, somebody. Because why do we need to be generous? Because when we're generous, it's God's vehicle to prosper us. That's good. Somebody say amen. I got I to give you two more things. I'm not going to get to really develop these, so you're just going to have to write them down and we're going to move on. But the third reason we need to be generous is because the gener generosity is the safest investment. If we go back to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy says this. It tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, by doing this, by being generous, this is the passage we just read, you will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. I'm going to tell you something. All it takes is one illness, one lawsuit, and you can lose it all. Some of you are like, Pastor Jared's so encouraging this morning. Thank you for that message. How I many know life isn't... It can change on a dime. But you know what the Bible teaches us? That if we want to have a secure foundation, both in this life and the one to come, the best way that you can make sure that you're going to have enough in this life and be blessed in the one to come is not to keep it, because what you keep is all you have, but what you give. Not only will God multiply it, but he'll protect it. Can I show you a cool verse? Proverbs 19, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will always, he will always repay you. You don't have to worry about the stock market going down. You don't have to worry about the, the economy crashing. You are going to make it. You are going to be okay. You will be taken care of because what you put in God's hands, he will watch over it. And not only will he watch over it and protect it, he will bring it back with interest and slurpees. Come on, somebody say amen. So why are we generous? Because it's the safest investment you can make. And the last thought is this. Why be generous? Because generosity is the way to really live. I want to go back to our verse, the verse we read a moment ago. By doing this, by being generous, you're not only storing up foundations and securing your future, but it's so that you may experience true life. 
But you know, they did a study, and here's what they discovered, that when people give or when people do an act of kindness, that what it does is it triggers and releases serotonin in the brain, and serotonin is the happy chemical of the body. So literally, when you give, you feel good. It happened to me this morning when I drove up and I parked and I saw my, my daughter's old car sitting in the parking lot. I felt great. And did you know that when they did the study, they discovered that if you do five acts of generosity, even in one week, giving and so on, that it'll last you three months of happiness in serotonin. Why? Because God gives you the Slurpee anointing. It comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Why does God want us to give? Because he wants you to truly live. He wants you to enjoy life. He wants you to be happy. He want, you know, I got to tell you, it's so good to lay in my bed at night, not worried about what's going to happen with the church and are we going to have enough money to take care of building this building and not worrying about if my family's going to be taken care of. I don't have to worry about any of it for two reasons. One, because I've given the tithe and when I give the tithe, God said he'll rebuke the devourer. He'll open up windows over me. I have a contract, a covenant with him. But not only that, I've got a lot of seed out there that God is multiplying. I've got a lot of seed out there that God is watching over. And I want to tell you something. There's nothing better in life than to be at a place where you can be generous, but you'll never be generous if you don't have a plan. So what's your plan? What's your plan? You know, we've got a building right over here that we're building out. and Maybe some generosity for you is you can make a commitment. Say, I'm going to give monthly to that building above my tithe. So I want to be generous. Maybe it's to missions. Maybe it's you set aside a little money to help people that you see with needs. I tell you what, church, it's time for us to learn how to truly live. Amen.